Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's the greatest time of the year in sports. NFL, college football, MLB, NBA, and NHL. What else can a sports fan ask for? All the action you want is every day at one place and one place only. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all this incredible action at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Like women, accuracy, and charisma, Dan Patrick has successfully avoided Chris Mannix. What are your expectations for Golden State this year? Depending on how Clay comes back, could win the conference. Really could. But the Danettes are not so lucky. I don't know if I can get on board with this cause. <laughs> it's going to be really tough. They're holding down the Mercedes Man Cave while Dan is preparing our Super Bowl shows in Miami. We have tickets. They're free. You go online to Dan in MIA, capital M-I-A dot com. Sitting in for Dan Patrick. This is Chris Mannix on the Dan Patrick Show. Hour two of the program, Dan Patrick Show, Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, SI.com, filling in for DP. Dan is on the way to Miami. The boys will be there next week. Full week of shows set up. Fritzy's already promised to mail it in completely. <laughs> so stick around for that all week long. Nice. Wow. Very nice. I mean, he did. Kind of suggested that South Beach would be more in his plans than... We'll get around to the show at some point. Uh, full week of Albert Breer on set, ready to go. Lock and load. My man, Breer. Yeah, Paulie. One guaranteed thing is uh, Todd will be out in the Miami hot sun at some point during the week without sunblock on and get a <laughs> raging sunburn. Peeling scalp. And he'll be like, you know, I should have put on sunscreen. He'll say it. it it's like a Groundhog's Day thing. Yeah. Scalding sunscreen. Scalp does not look good without the, uh, the sunblock on. The prediction will be Todd sitting poolside, uh, sitting back, eyes closed, facing the sun directly. With jeans on. Jeans and a hat on, sleeveless shirt, and then the sunburn is going to be the outline of the hat with the circle right here because it was backwards. That is, that's my prediction for Tuesday. Tuesday. And a, wow, right away. And huh? a nice medium pepperoni sausage pizza with a big two-liter Mountain Dew and a bag of chips. Todd likes to go to uh, great international towns like uh, Miami and go to chain food restaurants and order Chinese food. <laughs> you give me some Penn's Express and a Jamba Juice, I don't care where I am. That's Timbuktu. It doesn't right. matter. It's all you're, good. Like, you're, like Steve Car- uh. you're like Steve Carell in the office where he's like, I went to this great new Italian restaurant in New York. Sabaro. Sabaro. <laughs> Ready right. to go. Ritzy's like, what are you, what's the joke there? I know. They got pretty good ziti. Oh, <laughs> the show will be down there all week. Looking forward to that uh, down in Miami. Some NFL news not related to Miami. Antonio Brown uh, arrested recently for an incident at his house in uh, South Florida. He was granted bail today after a lengthy uh, hearing uh, in uh, that area. His bond was $100,000. He will be required to get GPS monitoring, release his passport and guns, go through drug and alcohol testing, and a mental health evaluation. So this 
saga continues for Antonio Brown. I guess it could be a good thing for Brown to undergo mental health evaluation. You saw his agent, Drew Rose, now say he was stepping back from representing Antonio Brown until Brown got some help. Uh, recently, you know, Brown's best chance of employment has been in boxing. You know, there's been a lot of talk about a potential exhibition match or maybe, an, I guess, technically a professional fight between Antonio Brown and Logan Paul, who's the YouTube star that recently fought on DAZN against uh, another YouTube star. And that that fight was something that I know as someone that works for DAZN is something they really wanted to make for the first quarter of this year, maybe sometime in April, maybe right around the NFL draft uh, as a potential. So you have to wonder if that affects Antonio Brown's ability to make some money because he would have made millions to fight Logan Paul. Like, that's a big-time event. Not a great boxing match, but Antonio Brown was penciled in to have that kind of fight. Yeah, Paulie. You, you go back to August when he did all the stuff on Hard Knocks and was uh, yeah. giving the Raiders a hard time and forcing the hand and get rid of him. Dan even hinted that there's something wrong with this guy. Because we met him at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and he was surprisingly low-key and easygoing and nice to everybody. You know, again, he's performing. He's on set. But Dan Dan was mentioning it in August, saying there's something not right with this person because he's got $15 million due. Just if he sits on the Raiders and does nothing, he's got two back-to-back $15 million seasons. And to to blow that up intentionally without a backup plan is... I'm not making fun of it nuts. It's, it's felt nuts at the time. Yeah, look, as you said, if he had just kept his mouth shut, showed up to practices, he would have gotten his guarantees. This isn't like Le'Veon Bell who was angling for a long-term deal and was trying to negotiate and gave up a year's salary and there was an agent and it was concocted and it was about a long-term plan and about the wear and tear and Le'Veon lost a lot of money to a point. But this felt the opposite. This felt like just sabotage. Absolutely. Self-sabotage by Antonio Brown and the money he lost there. Then the stuff came in New England. You could tell how it was working in New England when he was facing the media in the Patriots locker room, he was following the Patriots blueprint. He was saying the things that you hear a lot of Patriot players up and say, but then all the other stuff came out with the text messages and the stuff he was saying to women. And and then it just kind of, you know, went downhill from there. And look, social media, it's been Antonio Brown's, it's been his Achilles heel. Like if he did social media, wasn't around. If AB was off social media, he still had the same problems, but he probably wouldn't be in the kind of predicament that he's in right now, at least not financially. So $100,000 bail for Antonio Brown. We'll see what comes of it. I would imagine, Perloff, you're more plugged in on this than I am, but I would imagine there's his NFL career is over, right? It, have it's we, gotta be down. Have we reached the point of no return with yeah, Antonio I mean, Brown? I would assume so. I mean, he could get, a, unless he had like a drug problem, he got completely sober and cleaned up for two years, but I don't even know if that's the case. Because you can rehabilitate pretty much anything Michael Vick. Yeah, I came mean, back, but receivers don't have that much of a career length, though. True, right? But the last Antonio Brown last seen was arguably top five receiver in football, certainly a top five receiver in football, arguably the best in football. So there might be a team I could see, like the Las Vegas Raiders taking a shot on him, like give it a try, see what. Yeah, you're totally there. right. Yeah, Paulie. But the sentiment on Antonio Brown could change if he gets a psychiatric psychiatric evaluation. It's found out he has an affliction, he has a disease of some sort, and it comes out and it's public, and he embraces it, and people talk about it. Then it's going to be difficult for the NFL to bar him from the league if he's diagnosed bipolar or some type of uh, disorder. Absolutely, he does one interview. He says he's taking medication now. He will get another opportunity in the NFL because I don't think he's crossed the line in a way that makes him radioactive. For NFL teams, you don't, you've got some stuff, you've got some stuff involving women, but you don't have, 
you don't have that one maybe big, big thing that would make him really radioactive. You've certainly got some stuff involving, you know, Robert Kraft, things you said about ownership, but that's not enough to keep him out of the league. I think there's just enough wiggle room for a handful of teams to take a flyer on Antonio Brown as a receiver if he, as you said, Paulie, gets the help that uh, he clearly seems to need. If that accusation didn't happen right after he signed with the Patriots, he could still be a Patriot today. Who knows where he'd be meltdown-wise, but that the timing of the accusation against him was, I think, a day and a half after he signed by yep. the Patriots, three days after? Very soon after, yeah, Perlo. Yeah, he'll turn 32 in July. Yeah, that, that's that's going to start, so it's not a huge window where he can get back. No, that's true. And look, there's a trickle-down effect, too. That Antonio Brown, he doesn't get cut by the Patriots, might be having a different conversation about Tom Brady right now and the future of Brady. That's something I want to get into a little bit later in the show as well. But I, I want to start the hour with, with something I saw last week, and Jimmy Garoppolo, just this past week, when talking about his ACL injury from last season, he called it a blessing in disguise. That was interesting to me because his point was, while he tore up his knee and the Niners went 4-12 and a year ago, that season resulted in San Francisco getting the number two pick in the draft, which became Joey Bosa, which is a big reason why the Niners are here right now playing in the Super Bowl next week. It got me thinking because a comp to that situation is what's happening right now in Golden State with the Warriors. The Warriors have been ravaged by injury. They have the worst record in basketball. It's bad out there in Golden State. They have a tough time beating and competing, really, with any team in the league. But just like with the 49ers, there could be a big-time payoff down the line. Golden State could have the number one pick in the draft. They're going to have Klay Thompson back next year at 31 years old. They're going to have... Steph Curry back next year at 32 years old. Without doing anything, nothing to that roster, they are probably going to be a conference contender. But with all this happening right now, they have the ability to do something big. Let's say that pick is number one. No guarantee with the new lottery rules, but let's say it is number one. The Warriors will have that pick, and they will have D'Angelo Russell, an all-star level guard, early 20s, three years left in his contract. They can package Russell and that pick together. And that's one of the better trade packages that I can remember. An all-star player on a manageable contract for the type of player that he is and potentially the number one pick in the draft where you can take an Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, LaMelo Ball if you want to take a flyer on him, James Weissman who looked like a potential top pick uh, before things went south for him in Memphis. They can go big game hunting with that package. Now let's say... In this hypothetical, Milwaukee gets stunned in the first round. They play Brooklyn. And again, the hypothetical, Brooklyn brings back Kevin Durant. And all of a sudden, they're playing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they get beat in the first round. Let's say because of that, Giannis decides not to sign that Supermax extension this summer. When a player doesn't sign the Supermax extension, it is the equivalent of a trade demand. We saw it with... Anthony Davis, a little bit before the season ended, that what's called the problem in New Orleans last year. We saw it with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. It has the same effect as saying, trade me. So now Milwaukee's in a position where they have to look around and say, we got to make a move. Why wouldn't they look at Golden State and the package they have? Let's say the Sixers pearl off after this year. Say they decide to move off of Ben Simmons. There is a reasonable argument, even without the results of this playoffs that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are not built to play together. Absolutely. Strong argument for that. How good would Simmons look 
in that Golden State lineup. I, so, I don't know, though. That's my question. No, nah, I think he'd look good. I think yeah. he'd look good. Like a Draymond uh, on steroids, kind of? Yeah, like a new version of Draymond. You know, you'd have a guy that can effectively guard four positions, who takes the ball handling responsibilities away from Steph Curry, who can rebound, who can do a whole bunch of stuff, and is only like 25 years old. So that's some a place that you could look if you were Philadelphia. The team that interested me the most, though, and I've written this a little bit in the past, but I want to bring it back here for a second. And I get mocked all the time for this. One of my takes that usually I reserve for this show that I get slapped around with. Uh, Houston Rockets. The Rockets right now, middle of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. But you can easily see Houston getting beat in the first round. The Westbrook-Harden pairing, eh, not great. You can see them getting beat in the first round. And if they do, would the Rockets consider trading James Harden? Would they look at that as a potential possibility? I get it. Sounds totally nuts. Harden, unbelievable offensive player. Daryl Morey says all the time that Harden is a better offensive player than Michael Jordan. And there are times watching him and seeing the things he can do that you can see it. You can believe it. He's averaging 37 a game. He's going to win his third straight scoring title. He's leading the NBA right now in minutes played. You build around guys like that. I get it. You don't trade them. And if Harden was 25 or 26 years old, I'd agree with you. But he's 30. He'll be 31 before the start of next season. He's logged a lot of miles down in Houston. If the Rockets were positioned to get better via trade or be players in free agency, I'd agree with you. But they gave up some picks in that Westbrook deal. They gave up some picks there. And the Harden-Westbrook contracts have kind of landlocked them a little bit. You can't make a lot of significant deals or be players in free agency with two guys that'll make $82 million combined next season. They're under contract through 2023. The last year of both their deals, I think it's like $47 million. Now, let's say Golden State offers Russell the top pick, that kind of package. They want more. They can throw in some pieces to make the money work, and they can offer every possible draft pick they can for like the next five seasons. Their first, swap rights, all of it. Do you think about it if you're Houston? You can carry on with Harden and still be an annual contender. Hall of Famer, no question. And I think his game is probably going to age pretty well, the way he plays. I think he'll be effective in his mid to late 30s. Certainly more effective than Westbrook, whose game is predicated almost entirely on speed and athleticism. But is is it the name of the game winning championships? Isn't that what we're all here for? And if you can't see a path to a championship, is being proactive better than being reactive? I don't expect people in Houston to be receptive to this. Fans fans of a team love what they have. I mean, you suggest that Portland like, trade Hassan Whiteside for Kevin Love and your Twitter timeline blows up with how much Kevin Love stinks at defense. You get attacked in Boston nowadays for even suggesting trading Marcus Smart. But being proactive, to me, it makes sense. Boston did it when they traded away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. I know it's not the same situation, but look at where the Celtics are because of that. The Thunder did it last summer when they traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They're not a contender right now, but Shea Gildas-Alexander is excellent. And they've got like 107 draft picks over the next five years to rebuild that team in a different way. I wouldn't shop James Harden if I was the Rockets, but if the pieces fall in place with the Warriors... Don't you have to at least have that kind of conversation? Yeah, Paulie. The Rockets have sold out all their games for the past three years, and they haven't done that in a long time. 
because of James Harden. The regular season, they're all set. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, doesn't Harden make the least sense for the Golden State Warriors style of pass, 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 share, share, share? I've heard that, but here's my argument against that. Harden is an elite passer. He's consistently one of the better assist men. Dribble drive passing, isn't he? Okay, but what was Kevin Durant when he got there? Like, that was another isolation-heavy player. He was a great player, but he also hurt their offensive style. Well, he didn't fit their offensive style. Okay, but they didn't fit his, his two, great, two his, championships. Like, his, yeah, his greatness overcame that, but yes. he, he did not fit the Steve Kerr style of like a soccer offense where it's pass, pass, pass. The only, where I'd argue that Harden would be problematic in Golden State from a basketball perspective is just defense. Like, Kevin Durant is a high-level defensive player. Like, that's something people don't talk about with Durant enough. James Harden is not and probably is never going to be. But the same reasons I brought up Ben Simmons offensively, Harden, terrific ball handle, playmaker, and Harden plays the way he plays because Houston tells him to play that way. They saw a window where we've got a player with the skill set of James Harden. We are going to build a team around that skill set. I know it feels like a lifetime ago, but in Oklahoma City, James Harden was a sixth man. James Harden willingly and happily accepted a role opposite Westbrook and Kevin Durant, the two stars of the team. Went to a finals like that. And you can't tell me that James Harden, at 30 years old, almost 31 years old this summer, at some point in his head goes, I got to win, man. Like, I've won an MVP. I've won three scoring titles. I can tailor my game around these guys if it means winning a championship. I believe that. I I believe that James Harden is selfless enough from a basketball perspective to make something like that work. Yeah, Paulie. Going back to the Golden State Warriors, if they get the number one pick in this draft, that's something they didn't expect. But it's not like... When San Antonio got it because David Robinson was hurt and Tim Duncan played four years at Wake and came in as a a sure thing, great player, there was no doubts. Or uh, Peyton Manning gets hurt and they get Andrew Luck out of the deal, which is one of the gifts of all time because of the Peyton injury. If if you're Golden State, you have to trade that. Wouldn't you go everything you could do to get Giannis because he's still way young, international player in an international city, and is getting to be a better three-point shooter by the minute? Absolutely. And certainly... If Giannis turns down that extension, much more obtainable. But if you're Milwaukee, do you think to yourself, okay, we got, we may have to trade this guy. We may have to. Let's. What's the best we can get? And a young star college player still gets buzz in the city of Milwaukee. I or agree. do you go for a mid-level no. group of players? No, you've got to go with the best package that will get you back to that level the fastest. The unfortunate part for any team acquiring a top pick in this draft is that the strength at the top just isn't there. There isn't a Duncan like you're talking about, Paulie. There isn't a LeBron at the top of the draft. You've got most mocks I see, Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, mentioned LaMelo Ball, Weissman, who knows, some international players that are interesting, but no Luka Doncic in that mix. It's not the best draft in terms of finding a surefire franchise player. But if you're Milwaukee, beggars can't be choosers. You cannot go into the next season unless Giannis is signed to a max-level contract. But that'd be the full five years. Guys sign shorter-term deals. But unless he's signed to a three, a type of three-year deal with the Bucks, you cannot go into next season with him on the roster. You have to make a deal for him. And looking at what the a team like uh, Golden State has to offer, a point guard well before his prime years in the league and a potential dra- top draft pick, the foundation for that type of deal, it's not going to get much better than that. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW is the phone number. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. When we come back, Adrian Wojnarowski, the senior NBA insider, 
over at ESPN. We'll talk to Woj about a lot of things going on. He was down in New Orleans for Zion's debut. The trade deadline just two weeks away. A lot of teams out there thinking they're in championship contention. How does that affect everything going on out there? We'll talk to Woj next. Uh, coming up on 20 minutes past the hour, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Hey, it's Paulie Paps from The Dan Patrick Show. We've got an awesome podcast to tell you about today. It's the big podcast with Shaq. Of course, it's big. Tune in every week as Shaq and his crew cover sports, entertainment, and a lot more with Shaq. That's the only way the diesel does it. The show is full of laughs and amazing stories. Stay tuned to the end of this episode from a great clip from the big podcast with Shaq. Then be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast listening apps so you don't miss an episode. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. You ever play lacrosse? No. You're from... uh... New England area. Yes, it was big in New England. The hotbed. Yeah, I just decided to be a mediocre basketball player. I didn't feel the need to be a mediocre lacrosse player, hockey player. Isn't hockey huge up there? Like hockey is is not available in most cities. It is. I remember my ice skating career ended when I was like ten, and I fell on my chin and split it open wearing figure skates. Ice dancing or ice ice skating? Parents told me it was ice skating. It might have been. It's unclear. It's rare with you. We actually know exactly what you looked like when you were 14 I know. Mm. because of your ball boy pictures. Yes, they're everywhere. They yeah, circulate. How does one get a job with the Celtics being a ball boy? You've never explained the process. Uh, my understanding is that my boss at that time liked having police officers' kids work on his staff because everyone or a lot of the people on the staff were sons of police officers. I don't know exactly what the purpose of that was, but uh, that was part of it, I believe. Yes, Paul. I, I grew up in the Chicago and obviously a Bears fan. The Bears were the biggest thing in town. I went to a school called Marion Catholic, and there was a kid a year younger than us, and he was a ball boy for the Bears and got to go to training camp, uh, some of the practices. And on Sundays, he would be on the sidelines feeding the balls into the quarterbacks and so forth. There was no higher form of jealousy than the position this kid held on the south side of Chicago back in the 80s. Like, it was the coolest thing you could be. And he wore it on his sleeve, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, I mean, it was also the greatest college job you could ever have. I mean, I walked out of every game with $100 in my pocket. and From a player? Like, from the, uh, the you locker get room? Off, you get tipped off from the locker room, and, you know, you, you can make a couple extra bucks from players, some of them big tippers. I do believe... Like, hypothetically, if an all-star guard on the East asks you to fill their hotel room with alcohol... For after the game, yes. you can make a lot of money, hypothetically? Hypothetically, you could do that. Not hypothetically, Scotty Pippen still owes me money. $119. $119 owes me, owes me money. No tipping Pippen took my money. Took the, I think I went across the street from the fours and I wound up getting burned on that one. I forget what I got. I think it must have been sandwiches. It was always a sandwich of some kind or some kind of meal for a bunch of the players. And I got hosed on that one to the tune of $119. That stuck with me for a long time. Just kind of the way it is. All right, 877 3DP shows the phone number. Email address DP at danpatrick.com. Let's bring in Adrian Wojnowski, NBA Insider, ESPN, the Woj Pod. Terrific writer. Hi, Woj. Hi, Chris. How are you? 
Can you get my money back from Scottie Pippen? Yeah, I'll, I'll check. <laughs> I'll check on that. Maybe I'll see him in the studio here. Hundred nineteen dollars, huh? Nineteen dollars. I mean, yeah, you you made it back. Hundred nineteen dollars though for a college kid. That's at least one hundred fifteen beers. If you. <laughs> Right. If you factor in very <laughs> low-level tips on that one. Um, well, Gen B All-Star teams were announced last night. I guess the only quibble I had with any of them was Trey Young in that starting slot. I voted for Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons certainly in the mix. When you, I mean, when you think about who's an All-Star and who's not, how much does team success factor in for someone like you? Yeah, I, I think that's the hardest. That's the hardest measure because. You know, Bradley Beal's another player, like, and, and, and not necessarily with with, um, not as him as a starter, but you know, he's on that Wizards team that uh, you you know he made that decision to stay and resign. But come on, this is an elite player in the league. I think the coaches certainly, um, you know, I think that's as much of a factor for them as anyone. I think they like to reward players on winning teams, and I think you see that. Um, you know, with, with you'll see it with the reserves. But um, listen, at the end of the day, to me, all NBA is what really matters when you want to define, um, uh, when you sort of put your mark in history of, of really who was the best player in that season. I think it's more measured by all NBA. The All-Star Game is an exhibition, and if people want to see Trey Young dribbling the ball through people's legs and, 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 and making 35-footers, then let people see Trey Young. That, that's how I view it because it, it's just an exhibition game that, by the way, as we've seen, like a lot of guys will do what they can to get named and then get out of the game. Yeah, I have no problem with that. In fact, if that's the case, I'd say just go back to 100% of the fan voting and let them get, let them yeah, see. let Taco Fall start. It, it's fine. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I agree. Listen, to me, there is not much that is left just for the fans anymore. I have no problem with it being 100% fan voting. Um, let people see who they want to see. If they want to see Allen Iverson play until he's 38 years old in the All-Star game, let him see AI play. They wanted to see McGrady play till the end of his career, even when he wasn't an All-Star, let him see him play. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, you were in New Orleans on Wednesday night for Zion's debut. Had him on your podcast uh, afterwards. Your impressions of your, Zion's first NBA appearance? <laughs> I mean, it was that three, four-minute stretch in the fourth quarter was, it was electrifying. I mean, that building, uh, I mean, I thought the roof was going to come off. And, you know, it's pretty rare when, you know, when, when a moment lives up to, there was so much anticipation for that uh, for that debut. And to see him, you know, get a stretch of time there, scoring 17 straight and uh, and, and reminding people why, you know, this this was a player who was the number one overall pick. I I, I thought, um, you know, he's just different. And, and he said it to me after the game, like I'm one of one. I'm unique. And uh, the body type and how he looks, it. I think you you have to train your eyes a little bit for something that is different than anything we've seen before. And and you know, I know. And you know, Alvin Gentry said to me after I asked him, you know, for a comparable when he's putting an offense in and he's trying to figure out how to use this player uh, to, you know, to maximize that team. And, you know, he mentioned Barkley is like the one comparison. Now they don't necessarily play, um, uh, you know, Barkley became a better shooter. 
um, as time went on. But I, I just think this is a winning player, and this is a guy you saw it in college, and I know it was just the preseason, uh, but you know you could see the way he can get to the rim, he can finish, uh, and this is going to be a player who, you know, over time with that young core they have in New Orleans, um, th- that has a chance to be a pretty good team. When you talk to the Pelicans front office people, how concerning is it that he has so much weight at his upper body? And at some point, there's only so much you can do to kind of prevent that type of weight from coming crashing down on those knees, or that knee in particular, every single time he goes above the rim. Well, you know, and I think it's part of the regimen they put him through while he was out, which was changing the way, changing the way he landed, changing the way he, he runs. And, and I think for him, there's no question he's got to keep that weight down. He was probably, I mean, you looked at him the other night, he's probably around, I, I, I think, just under 300. Uh, I know that I think they've listed him at 285. He might have been a little more than that. And, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, again, he is a player who, you know, there have been great players in this league who've carried um, a lot of weight, and there's, there's no question about it. It's just it's a different body type. And, uh, but there's no question for New Orleans, you know, keeping, trying to find a, a program and a regimen that keeps him on the floor, that keeps him healthy is, you know, that's kind of paramount to what they've been trying to do. And, um, and, and it's part of why he was out so long. I mean, I think the knee and the meniscus, was healed and healthy, and they wanted to make sure that when they put him back on the floor, uh, he was going to be in a position to be able to stay on the floor. Talking to Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA insider, host of the Woj Pod, joining us here, Dan Patrick Show. About two weeks away, Woj, from the trade deadline in the NBA. Give me the most interesting team or player that you're tracking the closest right now. Well, I, I listen, I, I think that, you know, New Orleans, and going back to them, will be interesting. I mean, Drew Holiday's a player who, um, listen, they may revisit something again with him between now and February 6th. I think now they're trying to see what this team looks like with Zion. Uh, there would be a great deal. There is a great deal of interest in Holiday around the league, but he's under contract for multiple years. They don't have to do anything with him, and uh, New Orleans' plan has been to just play a few games here with Zion, see uh, see what it looks like. Um, you know, I think the market is, especially for, I mean, uh, guys who've been all-stars, like the Kevin Loves and the Andre Drummonds, um, I think the market's lean for them. I, I don't get a sense there's a great appetite with giving away really good first-round picks um, for players in this uh, in this grouping, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff around the edges, Chris. I, I don't think there's going to be, you know, there, you know how it is on February 6th, like between, you know, noon and 3 PM, you know, there's nine to 12 trades or 10 to 14 trades. And I think a lot of them are going to be uh, around the edges and, you know, Andre Iguodala is still out there and, you know, actually we've got him in studio on Friday uh, tonight, um, at ESPN on Countdown, and I think Memphis has believed all along they would find a deal for him, um, and I think they've talked. To, they've certainly talked to teams in both conferences. But if he gets past February sixth and they get a buyout, you know that becomes really interesting. To me, the buyout market could be potentially very interesting. 
Derek Collison, who is is a free agent, not a buyout player, uh, you know, he has been strongly considering returning to play, and Collison's been focused on doing that in L.A., and both the Lakers and Clippers would love to have him. Yeah, watching the Lakers last night, the game in Boston notwithstanding, they're playing good basketball. LeBron's playing at a high level, Anthony Davis back in the lineup. But the question of Kyle Kuzma still kind of lingers out there. and If he's the right fit alongside LeBron and AD in that kind of third star type of role, what do you gather as the Lakers' position on Kyle Kuzma over the next couple of weeks? I think they've been listening for quite a while on him. But Chris, the hard part of trading him, and you know this, he makes $2 million a year and you've got to stack up contracts to make numbers work because we assume if you're trading him for an established player who you think can help you win right now. And the Lakers are absolutely in win now mode with this team over the next couple of years. It's a player who's making a lot of money, whether it's, you know, 12, 16, 18, 20, and how much of your depth do you have to trade away to make the money work on a deal? You know, you have DeMarcus's, Cousins contract sitting there. Um, you, you mean we, you can look at the roster and look at some of the names and what they make, and 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 try to figure out a way to you know stack up contracts to meet the money of the player you're bringing back. And I think that's as much as anything is the hard part um, of trading Kuzma because he hasn't he hasn't signed his rookie extension yet. Uh, before I let you go, I'm watching the Trailblazers play last night and. Look, they lose to Dallas, and it's kind of a red alert time for Portland because they get the next eight games against playoff teams, the ninth being a trip to New Orleans to play Zion and the Pelicans. Been disappointing all season for uh, for Portland. They've had some injury issues, but do you get the sense they're going to kind of ride this whole thing out and try to reboot it next year, or could they be active going into a th- week from Thursday? Yeah, I don't know if there's – I don't think there's a, hey, let's save our season move for the Blazers. I don't think that makes sense for them, especially if they have to sacrifice something long-term. And and you said, listen, Nurkic is practicing again. They expect to have him back. Um, and, you know, I, I think getting, uh, um, you know, listen, they had so much size um, in the preseason, right? And then the injury, Nurkic goes down, uh, you know, they lose, um, you know, they lost a lot of front court size and talent, and it became all of a sudden, you know, a really small team, but this is a team who next year, you know, you bring everybody back, um, you know, the, 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 that young group of, uh, of Simons and little are a year older. Um, I think this is still a core that, um, you know, can, you know, can be really competitive in the Western conference. But I, I just think that the, the injuries have devastated them this year, but what you do have to admire about the organization and certainly Dame Lillard at the top, is is like they don't want to take a mulligan on it. Like he wants to, he wants to do everything he can to try to get that eighth seed. I don't think they'll get there, but it's a very competitive organization. They've been in the playoffs now for um, you know, uh, know how many straight years is it, Chris? Seven, maybe seven straight yeah. years they've been in the postseason. So um, there aren't many of that there aren't many streets like that around the league anymore. No, no question. Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN NBA Insider, Wojpod, former editor of the Vertical too. Can you get? Uh... ESPN do a 30 for 30 on the vertical? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I would love to do that. The highlights could just be, you know, Bobby Marks waving in front of a touchscreen and Tom Crean <laughs> saying Tyler Lydon stinks. Like, we could just <laughs> roll that out there for... <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, always good to talk to you, Woj. Appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you soon. That's Adrian Wojnowski, NBA Insider over at ESPN. Yeah, Paulie. You worked with Woj for a while. When I you're did. with him, does he have two phones in hand? Does he completely ignore you when he gets a tip, a text, a, uh, a source that calls like that Adam Schefter type? No, one thing about Woj, when you're working with him, he's very inclusive. I mean, he's very locked in when things are happening uh, in that moment, but he's very into into he's a great teammate let me put it that way as it is for a sports perspective he is an unbelievable teammate and i learned more from him in three years than i learned from anyone else in the business yes Eden. i do love the insider breaking news guy props of three phones in their hands at all times like, i never I'm understood just, that, i'm breaking though. so many scoops right now i've got three phones in my hands while i'm it on goes TV. back to that ari gold thing <laughs> on entourage he had to have two phones going you know he <laughs> said this after he got to espn um he said that Schefter was the one that told him to have two phones on different plans, just in case you wind up in a cell area where one of your plans doesn't work. It's the same number, I think, but it's two phones on different plans, which makes some sense if you're, you know, in Vermont or something like that, where service is not always at the finest. Maple syrup, though, Maple for syrup days. Awesome. All right, we're brought to you by the Mercedes, uh, Mercedes AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way in the all-new GT four-door coupe because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our celebrity interviews this week from the Mercedes AMG Man Cave, just go to Dan Patrick app. Go to the Dan Patrick app where you can watch and listen from inside the Mercedes AMG Man Cave. Mercedes AMG driving performance. When we come back, Seton... Got some problems on Super Bowl Sunday. Got a little bit of a dilemma that he's dealing with. We're going to talk him through it when we come back from the break. 42 minutes past the hour, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com. Clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. All right, a lot to get to in the third hour. I do want to bring back the conversation we were having about athlete compensation. Mark Emmert, head of the NCAA, had some comments yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Perloff, do we have a poll question? We haven't really... We do. We did the uh, Eastern Conference All-Star poll question. So my choices were uh, Kyle Lowry. I didn't put Trey, I put Trey Young on there. I did not put Kevin Walker, Ben Simmons, or Bradley Beal, who you didn't really mention. No. But he's, I, I look at all sorts of stuff, he's on a lot of lists. So Trey Young, 
gets 45% of the vote. I know he made it. Then Ben Simmons, then Kyle Lowry, and then Bradley Beal. Well, I think a, a poll like that, more often than not, you're going to see the most likable player, the most aesthetically pleasing player get the most votes. Like which the is All-Star fun. Game. Well, that's not what it's supposed to be. If the All-Star Game was strictly a popularity contest, open it up 100% fan voting. They don't do that because what was it, Zaza Pachulia a few years back was getting all the votes and would wind up as a starter in the All-Star game. International players get an oversized amount of the votes because an entire country is voting for them. So they had to divvy it up a little bit. But on merit, you're not going to be able to convince me that Trey Young deserves it more than Kyle Lowry or Ben Simmons. Yeah, Perlo. I put a second poll on my Twitter feed. Who would you rather have on your team, Kemba Walker or Ben Simmons? Care to guess the result of that? Of course, you're going to vote Ben Simmons no, on that one. No. No? 65% Kemba, <laughs> as you predicted. Oh, I thought, like a, again, a poll like that would look at the younger player yeah, who is my, more versatile than maybe. I thought my Twitter feed had my Philly friends on there. Now, the, ben Simmons does have a likability problem. Like, he's an incredibly hard worker. I've been around him a little bit. Incredibly hard worker. But he does have a bit of a likability problem Why? most NBA fans. I don't know. Maybe it's because he won't shoot. Like, in just seems, like, indifferent to the idea of it. Maybe that rubs people uh, a little bit the wrong way. So, yeah, at least I'm right on one of your poll questions. Uh, you can vote the poll on uh, Dan, danpatrick.com. Twitter account is at DP Show. So you guys are headed to Miami tomorrow. Coming back Friday or Saturday, depending on what Motel 6 you can check into on Friday night. Seton, you've got a bit of a conflict on Sunday, don't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of those, t- this is a parental conflict, right? Like, you know, yeah. a one of those things you have to deal with as the parent to a young child. Correct, correct. Yeah, my son plays uh, a lot of soccer, and he plays on Saturdays and Sundays through the winter, and I just was looking ahead at his schedule for, you know, this weekend and next weekend. And I just see on February 2nd, he's got a game at 5 o'clock p.m., which is just horrendous timing. Mm. Who, I, schedules a, who schedules a soccer game at 5 o'clock Super Bowl Sunday? Not a football fan. Dang, that's I have a, for sure. I have a theory on this. On, on a soccer team, I could imagine, Seton, possibly, a lot of the parents are from international backgrounds, and maybe the NFL is not their biggest thing. Is that fair? Uh, very fair. Okay. And they may have never two months ago thought for a second about the NFL playoffs and that that time of year. It's possible. It's possible. Is your son Seton old enough and aware enough to understand that football is more important than a soccer game? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, he, he's going to be, he doesn't know about this yet. I don't think that he's looked at the schedule, but I know he's going to be annoyed because he, he loves football. I mean, he plays soccer and watches and it's probably a second favorite sport, but he absolutely loves football. All right. So why isn't, bailing out on the table for one game well because you you, i mean you spend all of your time as a parent trying to preach like consistency and accountability and if you signed up for this then you have to be there and your team is counting on you all that stuff oh so this is more of a you thing that you're saying if given his druthers your son would say i'm i'm good i'm gonna watch the football game uh no not necessarily no he might be like well no my team needs me but that's because we're trying to drill that kind of accountability into his head well put it this way paulie Kickoff is what, like six eighteen, isn't it? Like about a six twenty kickoff. So Seton could be in his chair for kickoff, but you want the whole ramp up. You want to be in your comfy seat by four o'clock for a six thirty kickoff. And I think we're trying to have people over oh. and do like a thing. I, I have a question for Seton. Yep. Do you think you should, and are you considering sending a group note? Hey, in case you missed the schedule, the Super Bowl is one hour after game time. Any chance we could bump up kickoff to? 
2 o'clock. Well, my guess is when they went over the schedules, because all of the coaches have to approve these things from all of the teams, that somebody was like, this guy's snoozing because he's the only one that doesn't mind playing 5 o'clock on Sunday. So I think that maybe our coach just wasn't paying attention. Should Super Bowl Sunday be listed as kind of a national holiday? I mean, there's been talk of that anyway, right? Like people not going in on Monday because they're up late watching the Super Bowl, having a good time. Watch. Should it not be something that, like, as you're making the schedule in advance, you say, all right, that is basically a holiday. That game has to be at noon or earlier for it to actually happen. But holidays are usually in sports when you play more games. True. That's when you have a tournament and you're playing three games that day instead of one. How about a non-playing holiday? We'll just, you know. How about just scheduling the game two hours earlier? <laughs> I think they'll play you right. There is a there is a group text and then another app that we all use to talk to each other. And I think coordinate you gotta, these things. I think you have to do it now, though. You have nine days. If you start getting in the next week and forgetting, it could be too late, Johnny. All right, what kind of delay, Seton, to put a button on this? What kind of delay would be enough for you to say, all right, we're leaving? Like, is it 20 minutes? If the game doesn't start, your game doesn't start till 520? 5.30? Is, yeah, there, is there a walk-away point? That absolutely you? happens, too. And even if the game started right at 5, they do two 25-minute halves with a little break in between. So you're looking at it's going to be 6 o'clock before the game's over anyway. Because you, if it goes late, you run the risk of the potential, like Patrick Mahomes could have two touchdowns in the first five minutes. You could sit down and be like, oh, man. Yeah. Or the other way, Garoppolo. Just saying. It's a tough risk to take. I think you have to have a half an hour cutoff. 5.30, <laughs> we're going home. Keep it behind the story. Update you next week. A lot more to get to in the final hour. Stick around. This is the Dan Patrick Show. As promised, here's a clip from the big podcast with Shaq. I've never seen it this early, though. That's what I'm saying. That's the I difference. Mean, you're like the first couple weeks of the season. So I, it's, it's, it's two takes on that. One, you think you're so good that you can let guys sit out. You don't care about your position in the playoffs. You're going to win no matter what. It's a, it's a really tough gamble. Really tough game. I've, I did it, so I'm not going to criticize it. When I was, especially when I got older, when guys said take a special. Matter of fact, when Phil got there, Phil would look at the standings, and I don't know how he did it. He kept us away from Utah, and he kept us away from, uh, I want to say, the Rockets all the time. He just kept us away. So he would come and say, all right, take these two games off. And I'd be like, good. And he'd be like, but you need to ride the bike. Like, he would just know. And, you know, his thing was we needed some type of home court advantage, preferably the number one spot. But it's been going on for years. So, you know, it's a gamble. Uh, I, I feel I feel for the fans when you pay your money to see a certain guy play and he doesn't play. That's mine. I, I do feel for that. But this is chess, not checkers. You want a championship or you want a guy to, to come play a game and possibly get hurt? I know it's not something you're supposed to think about, but it can't happen. I can't knock it because I've done it. I just, I just know that's a gamble, and I feel both sides. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.